Brad Dacus of the Dacus Report, heard weekly on Bible School Radio 91.3 KDKR Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, is there anything that is a slam dunk when it comes to investing? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. If you got a question for me, I want to invite you to go to the website at www.prudentmoney.com. At the site, uh, there's a couple of ways to get information and get uh, and a couple of resources there to help you out. First one is the uh, Ask Bob or the email. We've been doing uh, answering questions via email for many, many years now. We added a second type of a resource to where you can, you know, it might be a, a, a question that gets a little bit more detailed than just a simple email can handle. So you can, you can uh, set an appointment. I'll, I'll set uh, several back each week that you can book 20, 30 minutes with me on the phone. There's no cost. There's no, there's no uh, obligation or anything like that. It's just there to help you, and uh, we're real excited about getting that, out, uh, getting that out as a resource. We are here to help you. So you can do all that at prudentmoney.com. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about pop culture finance. You know how much I love to talk about that. And uh, talk about an article that I came across that I'm still just unbelieving, that I'm still just, just unbelievable to me that uh, they put this uh, kind of information out. It's very misleading, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk a little bit about, and this is continuation, kind of wrapping up what we were talking about yesterday, about all the predictions and the forecasts and everything that spells doom and gloom for the markets. And, uh, you know, I was, I was telling you that in 31 years, of uh, being a financial advisor, I don't think I've ever seen a year come up that uh, there were so many predictions for bad things to happen, from recessions to bear markets to you name it. I can't say I'm not on that side of the fence, uh, but the one thing that I, that I, that I wanted to stress is that uh, you know, no one knows what's going to happen in the markets. And there's, just, uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential things that could happen. The key is, is to becoming a better investor and to just and to learn how to manage what you have or make sure that you're on the same page with your financial advisor and that your financial advisor's got it. So one of the things that we like to do, when in the, in the, yesterday I was talking about uh, a list that, that I'd gotten off of a, 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 a site that I that I that I uh, use as a resource. These, these are actually the, the final ones for my own. But uh, one of the things that you can do as far as maximizing your portfolio and making sure that you're at a risk level that is congruent 
with how much risk level you need to take in order to achieve your goals. You know, there's one thing that about taking risk. The other is taking risk that makes sense. So, for instance, if you have a need for a, a net a rate of return of, let's say, 5 to 6% would get you to where you need to go, why take an excess of that, taking the, the kind of risk that can get you 7 or 8 when you also have create a situation where you can make a lot less and or have experience a lot of loss, which is not even necessary. Always make sure that it's that you are congruent with the risk you're taking, with the risk that you need to take. And the best way to do that is to take your portfolio and do what's called a back test. And we've got plenty of uh, times historically that you can do a back test and see exactly how your portfolio would have performed, say, during the financial crisis. And with that, that um, type of risk that you're taking there, that type of decline, not to say that it's, that it's going to do the exact same thing. I mean, who knows what it's going to do given the same situation. But it gives you an idea of, it's kind of a, a way to look at it from the standpoint of, could I absorb that type of loss and it would be okay? And generally, pretty quick, people decide whether they can uh, look, they can determine that kind of loss. But you always want to make sure that your expectations match up with your goals. Very, very important. Then there's the other thing is the fear of loss. And, uh, well, you know, I think one of the things that we, after, of course, that you're not really seeing that today. Not seeing a whole lot of fear of loss. But if you do have experiences in the past where you've invested and you've lost a lot of money and it kind of paralyzes you, don't let it paralyze you. Just remember that that if you missed an opportunity or you had some losses, that was one time. There's a lot of opportunities. It's like thinking, it's like going and, and uh, um, going to the beach and trying to catch a wave. You're surfing, and you're and uh, the person that that's paralyzed by fear is is acting as if there's only one wave that you can catch when there's several waves that you can catch during a day. And then the final one that I want to point out, and this is going to sound may come across a little strange, but I got to tell you, <clears throat> it's what I think will happen. I think that we are more in a situation where we could experience a crash in the stock market versus a bear market. And that's actually a real big opportunity. And you might say a crash in, in, a, in a, uh, stock, a stock market crash sounds a whole, lot, uh, a whole lot worse than something like a bear market. Although that that is true, there's a big difference between a crash stock market crash and a bear market and it's real important that you see this and understand it a crash is just think of what happened which was a stock market crash at the very beginning of covid the market dropped it dropped fast it was very volatile but it, it dropped to a certain point and that was it didn't go and it was within you know a couple of months that's what you end up seeing with a, with a stock market crash. You can see it in 1987 when the stock market crashed. It drops down to a certain level 
and that's as far as it goes. Now, obviously, it's in, it's very tough to know when that bottom is, and if it's if it's going to go further than that. But if you think that it's a it's a situation where you might let it recover for a while, and it looks like that that was that was it. Once again, not that easy to fig not to to uh, determine that. Versus being in a bear market where it drops, comes up, then it drops again, it comes up, it drops again, and continues to do this for a very long period of time. The worst possible situation is what happened in 1929, which I'm not, I don't think we're going to see anything like that, but the market crashed. It started off with a crash and then developed into a bear market. It was pretty, uh, pretty brutal. So uh, just some things to be aware of. And uh, as you're trying to, you know, I, I, one of the things we'll be talking about is how to interpret what's going on or interpret what you're reading and uh, make sure that you have a good understanding of what all that means. Hey, this is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, we talk a lot about pop culture finance. And the reason it's important, I think it's important to talk about and, and uh, look at the differences between what comes out of pop culture finance and the other side of the story is that you can start to see that maybe pop culture finance is not always, such the, not always the, the best way to go. The problem that you have with pop culture finance, and what I mean by that, I always like to define it, is what comes out of the financial media, which is really just a mouthpiece for Wall Street, and what comes out of financial services, what comes out of some uh, the way some advisors ad advise you to invest. And generally speaking, they, they speak in and they, they write in absolute truths that if you were to do A, B, and C, you'll always get D. And that's what an absolute truth is. If you do something in a particular order or a particular way, you will always yield the same results. In other words, if you add one plus two, it's an absolute truth that that means three. But look at the market a little bit differently. The market is not, uh, does, does not run in absolute truths because sometimes one plus two doesn't equal three. Sometimes one plus two equals four. And I think that you, you kind of start to get to understand that when you start to consider that things don't always add up, no pun intended, that uh, things aren't always the way that you think that, that they should be and don't make sense. If 1 plus 2 e always equals 3, that does make sense, but 1 plus 2 equals 4, and 1 plus 2 might equal 5, doesn't always make sense. It's so much easier to speak in absolute truth because you stay away from the complexity of the market by saying, you know, if you just do this, for instance, here is, uh, you know, one of the real popular ones is, is uh, that if you hold your investments for at least 20 years at a time, that you'll never lose money. There, you, you might, uh, if you, if you, invest for a 20-year period, any 20-year period in the market that you'll always make money. Well, actually that's not true because there is 
there's time periods such as the 1929 stock market crash where 20 years later you were still way underwater. It was, uh, that would have been 1949. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about that on the other side. This is Bob Brooks. We're up against a break. Stick around, I'll be right back. Bible School Radio is a nonprofit Christian radio ministry designed to edify and encourage our listeners through the broadcasting of solid Bible teaching and great praise and worship music. We're grateful that you're tuning in. We hope you'll tell your friends about us, and we invite you to join with us in prayer as we continue to expand our ministry into other parts of the country. If you feel led to partner with us financially and send a tax-deductible donation of any size, you could do so by sending it to Bible School Radio, P.O. Box 913, Alito, Texas, 76008. That's Bible School Radio, P.O. Box 913, Alito, that's A-L-E-D-O, Texas, 76008. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tell your friends about Bible School Radio. Everyone experiences temptation, including followers of Christ. But is overcoming temptation just a matter of focus and willpower? I'm John Monroe. Wednesday on The Verge, we're learning from the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. How does the perfect God-man defeat the schemes of the devil? That's Wednesday on The Verdict. The Verdict, weekday mornings at 10.30, here on Bible School Radio, KDKR. There's a strange and mysterious character in the Bible, sometimes called Simon the Magician. He was a celebrity in his day who publicly declared faith in Christ. But Simon was missing an important element of faith, humility. Wednesday on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares explores this story and why we need to call people to humble themselves and repent. That's Wednesday on Focal Point. Focal Point, weekday mornings at 8.30, here on Bible School Radio, KDKR. Welcome back. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. A couple of ways to get information. If you have a question or a comment, you can go to the website, prudentmoney.com, and send a question in. A second level is if you got a little bit more of a complicated situation and you need some help, we can always set up a phone call. There's a way to do that on the web, on the, the website, and... There's no cost, no obligation. It's just a way to roll out additional resources in case that you need it. You can sign up there online, and uh, we'll get you taken care of. That's all at the website, www.prudentmoney.com. I was talking about, I was thinking about this over the break, that, you know, one of the things that pop culture finance says, every 20 year, if you hold your money for at least 20 years, you'll have a positive, some type of positive return. Now, that's not saying that, if you hold your, I think it's said another way, if you hold, and they say this 100% of the time, which is not true, by the way, there's instances where they definitely, well, you could have held your money for 20 years and, and not uh, made money after 20, uh, made money during that 20 year period. But it, it comes down to not that you, that you didn't lose money during the 20 years, that you didn't keep up with, you, you potentially could have gained less than a percent a, a year and you were way behind in your goals and uh, being where you need to be 
I think that's a little bit more important. But you could also go 20 years, have a phenomenal return, because everything goes in cycles, remember that. And uh, you have a great 20 years, and then you go, boy, this 20-year thing really works. We'll hold it for another 20 years, and it could go through a horrible cycle. In fact, you could start off the next 20 years losing half of your money. So you, so you can kind of see whether it's something that's important or not. I mean, it's pretty impressive if you held it at least for 20 years. There's a little bit of an interest to that, and uh, some good news, but that's not always people's lifespans with investing and growing and, and going to the point where they take money out, it, little, it really does last longer than 20 years. So just keep that in mind. But here is the pop culture finance, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. Somebody was at talk, I was talking to a client this morning and they, they were talking about, you know, you must always have things to talk about on the radio because of everything that's going on. I could limit it just to talking about pop culture finance and have enough to talk about. This article, and the reason that I've got an issue with it, is simply because people go to websites to learn and to start to get an understanding of how investments work, how money works. So you have all these resources, and a lot of it's generated by pop culture finance, and it's there to, quote-unquote, teach you how to uh, invest money. And, and if, you're, if you don't have a good background or have some sort of, an, uh, you spend some time reading other books about the other side of the story, which I hope that you get as you listen to this program, then you start to say, well, it really is easy. So this article starts out, the stock market can be daunting at times, but investing is one of the simplest, most effective ways to build wealth that lasts a lifetime. Really. But there's one tried and true Vanguard fund that's not only low risk, but if I can get the pages to, uh, to cooperate. But they talk about this, this uh, one Vanguard that is, that is very low risk and it is the, the best way and, and simplest way to go and invest money. And that, with the one that they're talking about, and they say that it's a, an investment that has stood the test of time carries less risk than many other investments and can generate hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. And they're talking about an S&P 500 exchange-traded fund, which is, is uh, a, a somewhat like a mutual fund, but it acts more like a stock. That is so important to understand. Just uh, basically an investment that mimics the S&P 500 or the stock market. Now, I don't think I've ever heard of a, a, an investment that is that mimics the stock market. And, and most people, I think more people than not, think of the S&P 500 as the stock market, which I do, because it's, got, it's more representative of the entire marketplace. But I don't think I've ever called it, uh, heard it called low risk. The stock market is the risk. 
does that make I hope that makes sense. If you're investing everything into one into into the stock market, you are taking 100% risk of the stock market. You know, we've talked about that. If you, if you put less in the stock market, you take less risk, theoretically. Depends on what you put the other, the other part of the, the, the money in it. But it says the S&P 500 ETFs are one of the safest ETFs out there, and there are several distinct advantages to this type of investment. It blows my mind that they could call this a low-risk and safest ETFs that you could put your money into. Categorically, that's just absolutely false. Because the S&P 500 is the benchmark for risk. It just makes no sense. It says immediate diversification. And it says you'll instantly have a well-diversified portfolio. This can substantially lower your risk because if a few stocks of even an entire industry is struggling, it won't sink your entire investment. Although the last part of it is true, and we'll talk about that here for a second, is that if you have part of the S&P 500 is struggling, let's say oil stocks are struggling, and the other all the other stocks that are invested in the S&P 500 are doing well. It's going to cover up for that. But if you have a bad market for stocks, like we did in 2022, then all stocks will go down. You have no diversification. Immediate diversification, they're trying to imply that you can take a... a portfolio of stocks and diversify them and all of a sudden have diversification you if they're all of they're they're, they're all the same thing they're all stocks we're hardly in a situation today that you could take stocks and diversify them and come out better off risk-wise the S&P 500 itself has a decades-long history of recovering from even the worst crashes bear markets and recessions Everything recovers. I mean, you can look back in history. Even the 1929 stock market recovered. It, of course, it took to 1954 to be back where you were in 1929, but it recovered. But I don't think that's quite the, uh, quite the, the, the point. But I, I don't think I've ever seen anything that was, that was referred to as the lowest risk and safe when talking about putting money into an S&P 500 index fund. So what they do is they, they say, they give you an example. And uh, historically, the market has earned an average rate of return of around 10% per year. What, what, what f and, uh, frustrates me with people who write these, these, kinds, of, these kinds of articles is they don't give the... the, the uh, the times that the investment period is relating to and that, that actually did make 10% per year. Just because the stock market has averaged 10% per year for a certain number of years, which I don't know exactly what that is because they didn't write it in there, doesn't mean that it's going to, it's going to return 10% for you. So they go through and they show, they show to reach 592 
thousand in total savings you'll need to invest consistently for around 30 years. Which 30 years? But if you have more time to save, you could potentially earn more. I ran some numbers, and for 24 years, starting in 1999, you would have averaged 6.95% in the, in the S&P 500. That's, far, that's, that's a way far cry from 10%. So you can see how some of this can be misleading. It, it, what what uh, the reader walks away with is the idea or the notion that, hey, all I have to do, once again, is invest my money into an S&P 500 index, exchange traded fund, leave it alone. Yeah, it's going to go down, but it always goes back up and it will always be okay. It doesn't quite work that way. You haven't eliminated all of your risk because you put your money into an S&P 500 index. So you always got to know that, so this is, this is an opinion of this writer. And I, I would find that most people would debate the, the validity of calling this a safe investment. I mean, I think it's far from a safe investment. Safe investments don't lose 55%, which the S&P 500 lost at one point during the financial crisis back in 2007 and 2009. But that is uh, probably one of the better uh, pop culture finance articles I've come across. Hey, this is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.